0: don't raise too much money. Like As a first-time entrepreneur, I didn't know this, but many entrepreneurs look at their businesses and say, oh, we just need cash. We just need to scale this thing. I can tell you firsthand, there is such a thing as too much money. Because one, you get complacent. You figure you can spend it anywhere and everywhere. And two, if you really raise too much, it backs you into a corner in terms of how you can get those investors their money back.
1: Well, I'm excited. Welcome to the show today. Sterling Hawkins. How are we doing, my brother? Thanks for having me. Good to see you.
0: Appreciate you having me on.
1: It's always uh, exciting to be talking about some epic journeys in terms of wealth, entrepreneurship, <laughs> business.
0: And I know you've got a pretty damn epic one, my friend. <laughs> you definitely do. You know... Looking back on it, I'm grateful for it now. But at the time, some of the hardest, darkest things I've ever been through in my entire life. I wouldn't wish on anybody, but I'm really glad I've made it to this side of it.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's the the beauty in perseverance and grit and you know, leadership is you can impart that wisdom on other people that we all have our own trauma and scars and challenges, whether that's in business or yeah. your career or finances or your marriage or your health. Um, but understanding you know and, and being equipped you know mentally right. and physically with the tools and and the mindset to you know navigate yeah, yeah. what I think every human experiences on their their journey um which is you know peaks and valleys. Uh, you have yeah. had some pretty epic peaks and some pretty <laughs> uh I, I think low <laughs> valleys as well and so <laughs> no, no doubt, uh, with that being said, you know for for people that don't know who you are. You know, and what you're doing today, and maybe we can, you know, roll back a little bit and talk about what's led to where you're at today.
0: What are you up to these days? Yeah. Well, I run workshops, keynote speak, and work with the leadership of companies to realize greater potential wherever they are. Some are, you know, really hitting some hard times coming out of the pandemic with supply chain issues, labor issues. Others are doing phenomenally well. But the common thread amongst the folks that I work with is, hey, We want to take it up to the next level. We want to go from, I call it like a a default doesn't matter culture, you know, whether it's in their business, their family, their community, to a a really intentional, inspired, no matter what culture. And, you know, it's like we're talking about, it's my favorite thing in the world to do. And I can't believe I get to do it. So, yeah. So
1: what makes you so qualified to be that guy that takes... (laughs) Forward slash Mindcast. That's LinkedIn.com forward slash Mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to LinkedIn.com forward slash Mindcast and get started.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's because, like we're talking about, I learned a lot of these things the hard way. Um, You know, right out of college, I'd love to tell you I was super smart and very strategic, but I founded a company and admittedly got somewhat lucky. And we sold it to a group in Silicon Valley where we became part of this massive conglomerate that was like the Apple Pay before Apple Pay. Uh, It was a little fingerprint sensor set next to the credit card terminal. And everywhere you shop, you didn't need your wallet. You didn't even need your phone. You just need your fingerprint and all your accounts would come up. Just like Apple Pay, just without the phone right mm-hmm. uh, investors looked at this thing and said you know what this is the future like we want to dump money resources time materials into this thing and so we raised relatively easily 550 million US dollars crazy multi-billion dollar valuation I mean it was it was insane it was like living a scene out of Wolf of Wall Street just insanity at the highest levels you know 700 people offices all over the world models in the office parties at the four seasons i'll leave out the other details but you kind of get the picture (laughs) i
1: mean hey dude you can share whatever details you want people want the story they want the right the the good (laughs) the ugly and everything
0: in between yeah but it it was wolf of wall street i mean the the sex the drugs the rock and roll it was all there in some shape or form and mind you, I'm in my early 20s. And I'm like, man, I got this business, this life thing figured out. I'm the next Steve Jobs. I'm going to buy a private jet and an island. And like, I'm, I'm done. You know, like I figured life out. And I, I'd love to tell you the success story from that. But the housing market collapsed to, you know, call it 2010-ish. And uh, the bottom fell up from under us. We couldn't raise more money. We didn't have enough organic growth to support the massive infrastructure we had built. And somewhat long, very painful story. The entire thing goes bankrupt; half a billion dollars just gone. And were you the CEO at this time, or were you? I wasn't the CEO. I I was part of the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And you know, at first there was like this camaraderie of, okay, we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to put it together. And after several weeks, several months, it starts to become very apparent to all of us that. done. Sinking ship. The burn rate is far, far too high. We don't have enough proof points to raise more money. And everybody coming in wanted these massive pieces of the company that the previous investors didn't want. And it it just hit this kind of breaking point of we had to go public and we just didn't have the the results to make that make sense. And it wasn't a good time to go public anyway. So... Mm -hmm. We backed ourselves into a corner and it all it all fell apart, including my life, by the way.
1: So you had created something absolutely epic. I mean, I don't know too many yeah. people that get shot out of a rocket to the moon, you know, at twenty something years old and have a company yeah. that, you know, can easily go and raise five hundred and fifty million dollars, you know, at the snap of a finger. Yeah. And that insane journey to it all coming, crashing down. And I want to talk a little bit about, curious about your mindset and how you navigated what seemed to be some pretty dark times. But talk about about some of the mistakes you made early on when you were
0: riding up that you would have done differently. Yeah. Well, I think it, it went to my head, admittedly, you know at the time i was highly unqualified for what i was doing how i was working with this company and you know because i had all this success i thought like oh i know what i'm doing and so here i am in my early 20s sitting around the table with like the number 5 guy from IBM and the CMO of Dunkin donuts talking like I have anything meaningful for them to say, and like you know, I'm not saying I didn't have any good ideas, but I'm just saying I was too full of myself. I was too sure of who I thought I was, how I saw others, and how I saw the world. And generally, that was the biggest mistake that I made. Is I tied um, tied those things down as they were the truth, not a truth, or maybe not even true at all, and so that kind of put us or put me on this pathway to not really having many choices, not being able to grow, adjust, and change as as you naturally need to do as we were growing this thing. Um, Also, I would say, don't raise too much money. Like As a first-time entrepreneur, I didn't know this, but many entrepreneurs look at their businesses and say, Oh, we, we just need cash. We just need to scale this thing. I can tell you firsthand, there is such a thing as too much money. Um, because one, you get complacent, you figure you can spend it anywhere and everywhere. And two, if you really raise too much, it backs you into a corner in terms of how you can get those investors their money back. Mm -hmm. And I, I would never want to be in a position like that again, where, you know, you've got to have some astronomical valuation to give people their money back. No way. I'm, I'm much more about organic growth on the business side and the organic growth that has to happen within the leadership and the culture to realize that over time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way to keep a sustainable business. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which seems yeah. like when you think about we'll just keep it in the vein of tech, you yeah. know, and, and valuations of tech companies, especially the the air that has been, you know, breathed into the valuations of yeah. some of these, you know, companies. It, it blows my mind how... Yeah. The economics truly don't make sense to me of how you give values like that to some of these organizations. And then, yeah, hence, you know, a couple years later, as you know, market shifts, valuation or air gets sucked out, and you look at the real economics and mechanics of these companies and these deals, it's just not
0: sustainable. Yeah, you can never hide from the truth. You can, you know, blow a bubble around it, you can create a facade. But there is a truth to your finances personally and professionally. And there's a truth to you and your business, by the way. And that truth will always find you. And that's one of the reasons Hunting Discomfort, the title of my book is so important to me. Because if you're not out there hunting for that truth, hunting discomfort, it's hunting you. Mm. And if you wait till it finds you, man, you are not going to be prepared. So
1: as you were starting to realize that, you know, the company was coming to an end and, and winding yeah. down. How did that all play out? And what did you do?
0: Yeah, w- well, I did the opposite of what I just suggested, by the way. Uh, unknowingly, I uh, wanted to keep up this facade of my persona, like who I thought I was. And who, have, and who was that at the time? I, w- I was successful. I had all these you know, fancy rich friends. I was going to all these parties, these retreats, these trips uh and so i just i just kept doing those things with no income and you know anybody that's been out of kindergarten tell you if you don't have money coming in there's only a matter of time before you run out of money that you can have going out and so i i ran myself into about six figures of personal debt um and then i started to tell people i was busy i'm i'm too busy to go on that trip i'm too busy to go out to that dinner um I was afraid to confront the discomfort of telling people I needed a job, Mm. uh, telling people that I needed help. Um, You know, there's this study that was conducted out of Sweden where they were studying, I call them the discomfort defaults, right? They would call it ineffective ways of dealing with discomfort. But when you're avoiding, denying, or surviving discomfort, it leaves you unable to act in accordance with the knowledge you already had. So for me, like, I'm not an idiot. I knew I needed a job. I knew I was running out of money. But the discomfort stopped me from going after those things. And uh, I, I think I told you earlier, I end up playing out this sad country song of a story where I'm forced to move into my parents' house in my early 30s. My girlfriend breaks up with me and I hit this like truly rock bottom, like nothing else could have gone wrong. i I'm in six figures personal debt. I'm loaded up on anti-anxiety, anti-depression medicine. And, you know, I I hit the abyss of there's something I'm doing incorrectly. And do I want to end it all early? Or how do I start to build myself back? And thankfully, I opted for the latter. Where'd that start? Um So my mom said this thing to me when I was a kid. She said a lot of things. She still does. Like she loves all these uh, quotes from different places. Uh, But the one that stood out to me, the one that came back to me during that dark time, was the way out is through. It's Robert Frost quote. To me, whenever I say it, like I hear my mom's voice saying it in my head, you know. And I don't know why that was the quote, but I'm like, okay, like let me let me test this thing out. If the way out is through, to me, that means. Go through the things you're fearful of, you're scared of, you're shameful of, you're embarrassed of. Like, go through all of those things and what you're seeking is on the other side. And one day, I I had this epiphany of like, okay, I'm going to set all these medications. I'm on a side. I'm not going to take them again. I'm not a doctor. I don't suggest anybody do that, by the way, right? But for me, I just stopped. Cold turkey. Cold turkey. Done. And... Uh, the thing that scared me the most at the time, believe it or not, somewhat ironic given what I do today, was speaking in public. I couldn't have even had a conversation like this with you, Matt. Like I was so lost and depleted. I, I didn't know where I was, who I was. I couldn't, I, you know, it was hard enough to talk to my family, not to mention a stranger. Yeah. It put me on a stage, forget about it. Like I, I love that Seinfeld line. I'd rather be in the coffin quite literally than giving the eulogy. <laughs> and as I'm you know, having this epiphany, sitting at the computer at my parents' house, email dings, and it's this um, basically junk mail for a conference in Singapore. I'm sure they sent out thousands of them just inviting me to be an attendee at this conference. And I said, okay, Sterling, the way out is through. I hit reply. I said, why don't you have me speak best, Sterling? I still have this email, by the way.
1: And you'd never spoken at a conference, didn't have a brand yet.
0: Well, well so I didn't have a brand. You know, I, I had done a little bit of speaking. Like in college, I had to present some things as part of growing the business. You know, I spoke a couple of places, but I wasn't good at it. It always kind of scared me. And then when I didn't have the the money and the models and the business success to kind of have my back, I couldn't do it at all. I totally collapsed. Yeah, and And I, I don't know. I think I was having like a, just a high moment of, okay, like, let's go. I'm motivated. I'm inspired. Yeah. The way out is through. Let's go. And I remember I end up talking to this guy. I don't have anything to lose. It's kind of like a game to me. I end up talking him into having me be the keynote speaker of their conference. And I remember it became very real when I signed the legal agreement. And I'm like, holy shit. I Not only am I unqualified, I don't know what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say. I have no brand. I'm not really qualified in any way but I'm terrified, beyond terrified to do it. So I, I did what I suggest anybody do when they're on the way through. They want to take it to the next level is they commit in a way where there's no going back. I call it like just as a memorable thing to remember that by, I call it getting a tattoo, right? Commit in a way where there's no going back. It doesn't have to be a literal tattoo, but you could sign a legal agreement. I could tell you, you could tell a friend, a significant other, but have somebody, something that's going to hold you accountable to keep pushing through when it's easier to turn back. And I'd be lying to you if I said every single day I was looking for an out after I signed that legal agreement. Like, please let me get sick, let there be airplane problems, let a pandemic come in, God forbid. I, you know, we we eventually got that and I wasn't so happy with the results. Um I wouldn't wish any of that on anybody, obviously, but. I was looking for an out, and it was that legal agreement, and the people that I put around me, specifically my sister and a close friend, that helped me kind of stay true to what I said I wanted to do. And weeks out from this thing, I'm having heart palpitations. I can't sleep. I'm thinking about, like maybe I do need that anti-anxiety medication. but I didn't touch it again. And uh, I get there. I show up in Singapore. Uh, my sister was right out of college at the time, and I had asked her to help me. She was phenomenal. And I said, you know what? Either I'll give you some of the money from this thing or come to Singapore. And she goes, you're an idiot. I'm coming to Singapore. So we land in Singapore and it's getting like really real now, you know? Like the day before my hands are tingling, I'm getting hot. I'm, you know, in my mind rehearsing like all the catastrophic failures that can (laughs) happen and I'm sure are going to happen on that stage. And... The the morning comes and I was so nervous that morning. I got up extra early and like rehearsed it three, four, five times in the hotel room just to be like, "Okay, you got it, Sterling. You got it, Sterling." And they called me up to that stage, and thank God I practiced because I'm pretty sure I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't remember what I said on that stage. There's video of it, so I know I did it. And I get off mat and. I, you ever been like so nervous, like the world starts to spin and you feel like you're going to pass out? Mm. That's what that was like for me. And so I get off the stage. I'm trying to like collect myself. I'm 100% sure I bombed. So I'm walking off the stage, covering my eyes, hoping to get out of there because I don't want them to ask for the money back because I'm sure, I'm sure it was not good and I can't afford to pay it back. And the conference director's making a beeline towards me, of course. And I'm like, oh no. Here, here it comes. Like another, here's another bad thing to happen to me. And he looks me in the eye, I'll never forget it. He says, Sterling, that's the best talk I've seen in my 17 years of doing this. Just insanity.
1: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors
0: I don't think he actually saw my talk. Like to me, there's no way he was in there at the same time I was. I think he just wanted to say something nice. But he did go on to put me in touch with all of his conference director friends. And all of a sudden, I had the beginnings of my speaking career. I was like, you know what? My mom is right. The way out is through. I just need to have the courage to go through no matter what.
1: And so that led to what has played out over the last, what, decade?
0: Yeah, something like that. And, you know, it started out just, I want to dig myself out of this hole. You know, one, so I can live a halfway normal life. And two, so I never go to that place again. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some of these things just for myself. And my sister, who I, I mentioned, started to kind of look at it and be like, you know what, I think you're onto something here. And she, like many young women, young people in general, had dealt with some health stuff. Uh, some eating disorder things. And she said, okay, Sterling, if you're going to go through um, your fear to speak in public, I'm going to go through, you know, my fears about exposing my body and what I'm eating. I'm going to sign up for a bodybuilding competition. And since, by the way, she's become a world champion bodybuilder. That's amazing. unbelievable. Uh, and then her friends started to ask about it. And, you know, I had friends from my past that I knew from work say, Hey, you know, let me get the piece of this. And they went from broke to creating seven, eight figure companies. They went from overweight to running marathons. They went from stuck dead end careers that they had been in from for 10 years to dream jobs, dream careers. And it was somewhere in there that I realized this isn't about me anymore. This is about supporting others to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. I don't care how impossible it might seem, how audacious, how hard. But if, if I can go through and have this transformation for myself, I want to be able to help others go through the same thing. And that's really what it is today. We've got the no matter what community of people all over the world doing exactly that, like committing to these huge goals for themselves, their communities, their businesses and willing to hunt the discomfort, go through the discomfort necessary to achieve them.
1: What's the common denominator that you've seen amongst a lot of these people feeling convicted, making the decision, and then taking the action and actually yeah. unlocking
0: real success? Courage. Hands down courage. Uh, and that courage can come from a couple of different places. One is you don't have a choice. Like the world is back to you into a corner, just like I was when I moved in my parents' house, where I'm just like, nothing's working. I have to do something different. The second is, well, I'm just ready for a change. Like enough's enough. I've been here for 10 years. I've been doing this my whole life. Um, I'm in this dead-end job. I've always wanted to start this company. Like enough's enough. I'm ready. And then the third is, yeah, I've I've been successful. I've done extremely well for myself personally, maybe for the business. I work with a lot of um, early and mid-stage companies, but I want to take it to the next level. And man, I found this really interesting thing around building courage in general, well, going through discomfort to see greater courage. And the research came out of University of Michigan. And you know, you've experienced physical pain before, like you stub your toe, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has. And you've experienced emotional pain, like uh, maybe a deal you were working on went south or you broke up with a loved one or you lost a job, right? You've yep. been there before. Turns out, no matter what kind of discomfort you're experiencing, physical, mental, emotional, I would even add in spiritual, although that wasn't in the study, the brain and body processed it almost identically. Mm. So much so... You can take a acetaminophen like Advil and it will help you with emotional pain. It's insane. And all the disclaimers around what I just said, right? I'm not a doctor. I don't suggest that. That's not a, a biohack to uh, take part in. But what I do suggest is we can take the next step, which is if where we meet discomfort is the same anywhere, we can grow our capacity to deal with it everywhere. It's a muscle you build. So, you know, you want to build your biceps, you go to the gym. Well, if you want to build your courage, you want to build your breakthrough results, you want to reach that next level, well, you hunt discomfort. There's no other way. So, to go back to what you're asking, for those folks that maybe don't have this huge amount of courage or aren't ready to take that massive step, take a little one. You get stronger every time you do.
1: It's absolutely true, man. I feel like you desensitize yourself to that fear the things that you consistently do over time just become easier and more natural and then eventually just innate. You're not necessarily thinking about it anymore. It's just who you are. It's what you do. It's baked into your identity. It's baked into your habits and your rhythms. What have been some of the habits and rhythms and routines, whether that was things that helped you get out of your own way or that you've seen in many of the people in your community, you know, employ in their journeys around rhythms and habits to yeah. really find a groove around momentum and success in the
0: direction they're trying to move towards? Well, somewhat ironically, it's it's slowing down. You know, as, as the Buddhist might say, taking a, a sacred pause here and there. Because life moves so fast. There's so many things happening. You know, the phone's dinging, the email's going, you got the TV on, somebody's knocking at the door. Like There's all these things happening. And as you remain engaged in those things all the time, consciously and unconsciously, you're going to pretty much end up in the same place that you have already been. You know, a little better, a little worse. It's going to be purely incremental. But as you give yourself, or as I gave myself, the space to step back, and I've gotten into um, spending a lot of time outdoors, meditating, yoga, breathing practices, you know, in the last 10 years, I've I've become a little bit of a self-growth junkie. Like I've taken every class I could possibly find on these things, Mm -hmm. but the common denominator for many that are successful with what they're trying to do is that they slow down and they step back and they purposefully look at what are the beliefs I have about myself the beliefs I have about others, and the beliefs I have about the world that have maybe worked to get me here, but are no longer serving me? And how can I surrender some of those beliefs that are no longer serving me and see them not as like the truth, but a truth? And as you kind of change that starting place, that place you're moving from, that actions will just naturally be different because you're looking at the world and yourself and others differently. And, you know, when the actions are different, the results are going to be different. I, I'm all for like determination and grit and working really hard. But if that's all you're doing, you're not stepping back further, it's not gonna help. Mm-hmm. I like to think about um, you know, as somebody that had all in theory all the money, all the right relationships, even a lot of time, especially coming out of college. Like I didn't have a wife and family and all the things. And that wasn't the missing piece. There was an X factor. And the X factor is discomfort in in all the ways and specifically in the way of stepping back and reevaluating the place that you're moving from. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And so that kind of leads into hunting discomfort right I that's mean, right <laughs> you know whether it's an opportunity you're like ooh you know when i when i bought my first hotel and then i went from the second to the third every acquisition was like i've never owned this much real estate i've never yeah. had this many employees you know that i'm excited about the opportunities i know that especially looking back in the rearview mirror of going you know i started off you know working yeah. for free for somebody for a year uh, yeah. That first day I showed up making zero money, you know, yeah. and and working my ass off for that person, the discomfort that was there, let alone the discomfort of every part of the process to becoming a dad, to getting married, to,
0: you know, hiring yeah.
1: people, to investing a certain amount of money to solving problems and, you know, having yeah. to let people go or have tough conversations. Discomfort mm-hmm. seems to be a common thread that every human being on this planet experiences in some capacity or context and yeah, their yeah. own journey. So when you reframe this idea around discomfort and and you hunt it instead of avoid it,
0: what does that yeah. do for you? Yeah. Well, just to go back to something you said, there's that overused phrase, you're either growing or you're dying, right? Right, right. And I think that's true. But the part of that that's really important is that if you're growing, you're uncomfortable, period. And you said it, you know, growing your business, the relationships you're in, going through the hard conversations. If you're growing, you're uncomfortable. Yep. And oftentimes people will look at my book and some of the things I'm talking about and say, hunting discomfort, Sterling, look at my business, my relationships, my bank account. I don't need to hunt discomfort. I'm surrounded by it. And my answer is always the same, which is you're not hunting discomfort. You're living with it and probably rationalizing why you have it. I am just this way. My wife's just this way. The market's this way. Um, you're rationalizing why you have discomfort. Now, when you're hunting discomfort to your question, you are forever free from that. Not circumstantially free. You know, I was circumstantially free when we had $550 million and all these offices and all the models and all the things, right? In theory, I could have done anything that I wanted, but it was predicated on an amount of money and who I thought I was and, you know, the penthouse apartment. When you hunt discomfort, It's not circumstantial freedom. It's true freedom. Freedom that can never be taken away from you by anything and anybody. And when you have that kind of autonomy, that kind of freedom, it doesn't matter what happens in the world. Like you're the kind of person and if you've done it right, you've created the kind of culture around you that no matter what happens, you're going to be ready for it. So I'm talking a lot. You want me to keep going? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I mean I, for for me I was I was just going to ask, you know, I know that yeah. there are you you've got some great frameworks in the book around how to go yeah. through whatever it is that you're facing or yeah. whatever it is that stands in front of you, whether that's a challenge or it is, hey, you know, I've got an right. opportunity that I'm looking to get to that next level. What are some of the frameworks yeah. people can use to reframe how they hunt discomfort in their life or in their business.
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing is is literally hunt discomfort. And you have to look for it because we built our lives and by extension our businesses in a way where we avoid it because it doesn't feel very good. And so we have to start paying attention. I don't know how it is for you and your listeners, but avoiding discomfort starts from the second I wake up in the morning. Boom, snooze. I'm not getting out of bed, Mm. right? And then I, I've got the discomfort of feeling a little tired. Boom, coffee. And I'm not even thinking about like, oh, I'm, I'm seeking comfort. I'm just, oh, I'm tired, coffee. I see the stairs when I get to the office somewhere. Boom, elevator, right? And that's how the day goes where you're either leaning into discomfort or you're running away from it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not hunting it and really looking for where am I taking the easier, the safer, uh, the known option, you're just going to be on auto. Pilot all day, continually moving away from discomfort. I'm not saying live an uncomfortable life, but I'm saying at least start noticing where those places are that you're doing it. And maybe sometimes lean into that discomfort of getting out of bed the first time the alarm goes off. I know I can use that advice myself most days. Now, once you notice it, the second step, as I, I mentioned earlier, is get a tattoo, right? Commit to what you want on the other side in a really serious way. I'm all for self-accountability. I think that works to maintain the status quo. If I'm good to go to the gym five days a week, likely I don't need to call you, Matt, and be like, call me every morning and make sure I go to the gym. Like I've already been doing it. Self-accountability is fine. But if you want to grow, you need somebody, something outside of yourself that's going to call you towards whatever goal you want. You need that commitment to be stronger than your feelings. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's a legal agreement, tell your friend, but like put something in there that's really going to move you into action because it's not going to feel good when you're doing it. And everything in your head is going to tell you, this is not good. Turn back. You can't. This is dangerous. Like you're jeopardizing everything, right? Your head's going to tell you all those things, but that commitment's going to continue moving you forward. I love it. And you need people to help. And it's... This is one of my favorite ones. I call it um, building a street gang, not because I look like I've been in a gang, because I don't think you would count Boy Scouts, uh, but because it's, it's much stronger than like a personal board of directors or a, a, a bestie or drinking buddies. Like I call it build a street gang because you need somebody or some that are really going to go toe to toe with you and look for where are you missing. And when you're accountable to somebody in a very specific way like that, right? To a, There's a person, there's a time, there's a deliverable. You're not 70% more likely to achieve your goal, not 80%, not 90%, 95% more likely to achieve whatever it is. It's like, if you actually want to achieve that thing, you better make sure you're accountable outside of yourself somewhere. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we've got yeah. a mastermind group. Um accountability group that I've been in for man going on a little over six years. Yeah. And we meet every Wednesday. We yeah. review all of our goals. We have kind of metrics and scorecard items that, you know, are tied to our goals. We openly share yeah. our finances, our tax returns, nice. our bank accounts. Yeah, it's very, very uncomfortable that, you know, that discomfort of being vulnerable and accountable, um, and yeah. fully transparent, I have found is one of been one of the most empowering things when you cannot hide. Yeah. And how many people hide from their finances, hide from their spouse, hide from their friends, hide from their business, hide from themselves. Right. How how do you invite somebody to kind of audit uh, and hone in on some of those specific areas
0: of hiding where they might be hiding? Yeah, well it's like we we're saying earlier, you can't run from the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the amount of money in your bank account is the amount of money in your bank account whether you want to look at it or not. Yep. You know, like the taxes coming up or the taxes coming up whether you want to pay them on time or pretend you don't have them or you know, play dumb or whatever it is that you're doing. But it it's kind of revert to step 1 like notice when you're doing it. Mhm. Right? Like most adults have at least some semblance of knowledge of, hey, I, I've got to pay taxes. Hey, I should be looking at my financials on a somewhat regular basis. Hey, this relationship, personal or professional, it's weird. Like there's something wrong with it. There's pieces of it that aren't working. And when you notice those things, and it'll happen in split seconds, right? Like, oh, I should look at my bank account. And in that second, you can need to look at your bank account or you can go distract yourself with something else. Mm-hmm. And so it's those little moments. And the more you look for them anywhere, back to that research, physical, mental, emotional, the more you're looking for that discomfort, big discomforts and small discomforts, the better you'll get at seeking those things out and really finding a foothold on the truth, which you know you can't be pushed from. If you're standing on the truth, the truth is the truth. You can't move.
1: So as you have worked with so many different companies and individuals, What have been some of your favorite success stories as people have hunted that discomfort in their life or in their business that they have unlocked as a result
0: of that? So one of my favorite stories is somewhat recent, actually. Um, There's this guy, he's been a a longtime friend, member of the no matter what community for years and was doing pretty well for himself. Uh, But he was working for a a big company in New York City. I think it was in the... um, fashion space, memory serves. doesn't matter. He he lost this job. And it's at a time when, you know, New York City apartment rent is through the roof. He had just gotten married. So he's in this new relationship and he loses his job at the beginning of the pandemic. Now, uncomfortable. And he could have shied away from it, right? He he could have just been paying the bills and not told his friends they needed a job or not figured out where he wanted to go next. But what he had done is, this is my favorite thing is he went out one day and he went into a tattoo parlor and he had the name of his business. He wanted to start tattooed on his right bicep and it's big too. It's like his whole bicep. Now, I don't know how he explained that to his wife when he got home, but that was his commitment. And so he would, you know, we got a real tattoo. tattoo, a real tattoo. Right. And so when he thought about getting a job or doing something else, he he looked to his commitment. When things got really hard and the conversations with his wife were difficult, he looked to his commitment. And you know, when, when the road was just getting too long and too hard, and you know, the sleepless nights and all the things, he said, What is this really about for me? I'm really committed to starting this business. And he just texted me a couple of months ago. He goes, Sterling, we've now created an eight-figure marketing business from nothing this guy's doing phenomenally well and if you ask him he'll tell you it's because he he went after the discomfort the things that were in the way and it was his commitment that moved him forward work for him work for anybody it's amazing brother well i know so many people are
1: gonna want to read your book hunting discomfort know more about the no matter what community where is the best place for them to find more info about all the great stuff you got going on
0: so all the things you can find at huntingdiscomfort.com. Um, you can learn about my work there. You can join the community. You can check out the book. And, and one thing um, that I'd encourage everybody to check out is there's something called the Hunting Discomfort Quiz. You know, we said earlier, we built our lives and businesses to avoid discomfort. And this quiz, it's free. I'm not selling you anything. 15 questions. And it'll start to shed at least a little bit of light on what's that big discomfort? That you're avoiding and better yet give you a pathway of what to do about it so that's all at huntingdiscomfort.com. thanks for the plug
1: well we'll uh, be sure to link all of those resources links up in the show notes head over to millionermindcast.com on sterling's episode brother it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show love the work that you're doing and
0: want to appreciate you for your time today thank you it's an honor appreciate you having me on
1: well that wraps up this week's episode hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview and if you did all i ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So, If you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances. Be sure to head over to the richlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our millionaire mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person. All kinds of great valuable tools you can get that over at the richlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.